Hi everyone, and thanks for listening to the Conspicuous Podcast. I'm your host Steve Cranston from Lilac Films, and my Twitter is at Lilac Films. Now, rather than have a guest on this week, we're actually going to do something a little bit different. I've got a presentation for you that we recorded earlier in the week at Global Entrepreneur Week. Now, this is an event that's um, that's international, and here in Staffordshire, we celebrated it by putting on an event to celebrate small business owners. So the events that took place involved speed networking, we had three fantastic speakers and we also had a people's panel and the event was organised by Sarah White and myself and a number of other delegates helped support the event using the skills that we we had, in my case, film production and it was just a, a, a huge boost, I think, to everyone's morale to celebrate what it is to be a local business owner. So what I'm going to share with you is our first speaker, James Sinclair, who gave a fantastic presentation on his journey as an entrepreneur and some fantastic tips. And I'm going to split this into two parts. So the second part will be released next Monday. So if you enjoyed this, definitely tune into it. But also do find out more about what we do here in Staffordshire with Global Entrepreneur Week. Have a look at the website, gwstaffs.co.uk. And if you want to hear a bit more about this, do let me know because we've got many other presentations from previous years that I'd love to share as well. So I hope you enjoy James Sinclair, the millionaire clown. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning to you, Stoke-on-Trent. How are we doing? Come on, I need a bit of energy. How are we doing? Yes, you're going to be fed up with me over the next four hours, ladies and gents, as we get through this debacle. Uh, hopefully we're going to learn some stuff, we'll have some fun. Uh, I do need to just quickly tell you that I'm not from around these parts. I'm from the uh, godforsaken county of Essex, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this uh, programme that's come out over the last few years has tarnished us, but hopefully you won't hold that against me. And I do need to rush through my presentation this morning because... Uh, I've got some sad news, ladies and gents. Uh, my mother-in-law is staying around my house this weekend and uh, she's got laryngitis, sore throat, and she can't talk at the moment. And I just don't want to miss a minute of it. So I want to rush through this and get home and do that. Right, let's uh, get up here. Uh, ah! Oh, Sorry, stage fright. Anyway, so, just a little jokey-jokey. Keep you all going. Um, now, what's going to happen uh, up here? I've got some flips. Uh, so I'm going to do some flips and we've got some uh, uh, presentation slides on here as well so hopefully you'll be able to see everything uh, I do bring uh, flip charts up just because sometimes these things uh, go wrong so if I need to move over to there uh, then that's what we'll do so uh, just by a show of hand, hands up who's a business owner in the room. I just want to see that. Keep your hands up. Hands up if you've got more than five people working for you. Okay, that's good. Okay, right, let's, uh, let's just crack on. So this is me. Uh, I'm James Sinclair, uh, business owner. Started off, as you may guess, as a bit of a kid's entertainer. And I built up a big children's entertainment company in Essex, London and the home counties. Uh, and then what I realised when I got about 19, 20 is that my hands made all my money. Uh, and I started panicking, because I left home when I was about 17. Uh, I started panicking and thinking, God, if something happens to me, I break my leg or anything like that, I won't be able to earn any money, because my body created my money. My body created my money. And uh, that was a big, sort of scary moment for me. So what I did is I started uh, investing in property. So I bought my first house, I was 18 down south, and then another one when I was 19 and another one when I was 20, all from being a kid's entertainer, saved up all the money, never spent it. Um, and I then remortgaged all those properties and I opened a massive children's indoor play centre in Essex. Um, I've got 10 of those now. Uh, 
And that's really what I did. And then I started opening day nurseries. And then I bought a little theme park on the south coast. And now I live on a big 70-acre farm park. Uh, so I've got about 300 staff. We'll do about 10 million this year. Uh, and recently, uh, you'll see that middle logo there. Uh, oh, God, what have I done here? See, this is what I've done. I've turned it off. Turned it off. Bottom button. I bloody hate these things. This is why I prefer to use flip charts. Uh, so this uh, Teddy thing in the middle, uh, I started manufacturing a Build-A-Bear product, which I sell into Drayton Manor, Namco, Butlins, Haver, uh, thing parts and stuff like that. Uh, and it's uh, you build your own bear, like Build-A-Bear, but uh, it's called Teddy-tastic. Uh, so I've got a bit of, in, um, I've got experience in commercial property, residential property, teddy bears, children's days out, children's entertainment, um, Childcare, uh, farming, uh, and oh, I've got some laser arenas as well, and uh, a splash park. So I've got sort of a varied knowledge. And then just recently, I started this thing in the corner over there, which is the Entrepreneurs Network, hosted by the man that hasn't got a razor. And so that's the Entrepreneurs Network. And uh, why I did that is I wrote a book. I wrote this book here. Um, called The Millionaire Clown. And uh, I always said I was going to write a book, even when I was a kid, because uh, I went in and do this sort of clowning thing and entertaining. I thought, oh, I'll write a book. Well, I was 10, 12, and I'd call it The Millionaire Clown, because I always wanted to be a millionaire, and I just thought it'd be a funny, funny thing to do. Um, and since doing that, I've been invited to speak at things like this, and people kept saying, oh, Jake, because actually, once I go into all the serious stuff, I I'm going to calm down a little bit, and you'll be like, actually, it does know something. Uh, and uh, people wanted to know more and more and more. Uh, and I really liked speaking. Now, see, a lot of people, right, have a fear of being on stage. I have a fear of not being on stage. And as I got older and older and wasn't able to entertain families, I think I've still got about five years left, but before everyone thought, oh, it's a bit weird having the old bloke entertain the family and the kids, I thought, what can I do? And I'd like to be a business speaker and share all the things that I do. And the reason I also do that is because I am absolutely 100% passionate about entrepreneurship in the UK and helping people soar to success. Simple as that. And I just hopefully some of you will come away today and think, oh yeah, that was really good. I can implement into my business that and maybe employ another person, get another person into employment and turn this great country even greater. So that's, that's my thing. Right. So that's the dullest speech you're ever going to hear, ladies and gents. Okay. So uh, see, ah, yes. Now let's carry on. So number one, the first thing that I think any business owner when they get into business should do is come up with a real really powerful vision. Now, we all have this powerful vision, but the problem is business owners forget to share it on a daily, weekly, monthly business going forward as their business continues to run. And this is a fundamental flaw. Now, we look at some big, favorable entrepreneurs out there at the moment. Elon Musk, the man behind Tesla, PayPal. He's out there doing press conferences, sharing vision of how he's going to change the world with these brand new batteries that he's bought out and self-driving cars. Richard Branson wants to fly out space. Steve Jobs was a master of it. Bill Gates is a master of it. Share a constant vision. Now, I constantly say this. This has been going on for years. 
absolutely is. First bloke, in my opinion, to come up with this is Jesus. He was going around and he was telling people this wonderful thing that he wants to do. He has built a successful company on the back of it. And he has built an organization that is nothing that is anything can be paralleled in the world. He puts a CEO in place. He calls him the Pope. He then goes and puts area managers and directors of all the countries. He calls them archbishops. Then the archbishop has a, um, a deputy director. He'll call him a bishop. And then he's got a priest, a general manager in every place. And they're all sharing a fantastic vision going down. Now, let's forget about business. Let's just put business to one side. Let's talk about a fantastic secondary school. Within Stoke, there'll be schools better than other schools. Every area has it. We have it in Essex. And the best schools are always driven by one guy or one girl. They are the headmistress or the headmaster of that school. And they have a really powerful vision. Parents buy into that vision. Students buy into that vision. Heck, people even buy houses near that school, that vision, and pay more for the house so they can get into that school. Because a head teacher or a headmaster is constantly sharing this powerful vision. Charities have it, a powerful CEO sharing it with the rest of the charity, getting people to come work for the charity, the best people. The head teacher will attract the best teachers to come work for him because he has a really powerful vision. That is why you need a powerful vision. You need it for where you want to get the company to go. Yeah, I get that, but that's all the sanctimonious bullshit that we always hear. The reason we want a powerful vision is so we can attract the very best talent, the very best people to come and work for our company to help build the organization. And it must be on repeat. It sounds corny, it sounds American, but it is the only way to attract the very best talented people to come work for us. And that is where I always start, and I think that is where it always ends. So thank you for listening today, ladies and gents. Let's have some coffee. I can't wait to see what lunch is. Okay, right, let's move on. Um, so the next thing, the next thing that we want to do is you need then need the goals. See, yeah, goal setting is a big thing that is told to us all the time, but... You can't do goals without the vision. You just can't do it. If you haven't got a powerful vision, the goals will not work. Vision first, then goals. And that's the thing I really, really learned. Vision first, then goals. Oh dear, I'm going to keep going, ladies and gents. Now, the next thing, when I wrote this book, I came up with something called The Entrepreneur's Pyramid. Now, I believe there are three types of business owners, and I hopefully when you see this, which I'm going to draw up here, I don't like that I've got a competitor over there, but we're going to go with it. Anyway, look at him going away, showing off. <laughs> um, three types of entrepreneurs. We've got the sheep, we've got the oxes, and the eagles. Now, I use animals. Look, he's loving that. Yes, I can draw sheep, oxes, and eagles. Thank you so much. Um, and um, an iguana, we've got an iguana, uh, we've got a T-Rex as well, uh, we've got a herd of cows, uh, and a butterfly. This butterfly, 364 million colours, I can see on the butterfly. <laughs> um, yes, so we've got three types of, I digress, ladies and gentlemen, we've got uh, three types of business owners or three types of entrepreneurs. We've got the sheep, we've got the oxes, and the eagles. And 80% of these guys within the sheep category, uh, oh my God, um, 
20%, uh, 15% are in the ox category, and 5% in the eagles. And there's different levels within. So we've got high-level ox, low-level ox, high-level sheep, low-level sheep, high-level eagles, low-level eagles. Now, I want to just go through some of the characteristics of my three entrepreneurs. Now, I was writing my book. I sort of quantified this, and I came up with this, because I knew they were there, but I turned them into animals, because I think when you're doing your actions in your business over the next year, and you think, oh, I remember that bloke with the big forehead from Essex. I remember him saying, I'm really acting like a sheep here, or I'm acting like an ox here, or I'm acting like an eagle. This is what a sheep does. They do the same day in, day out. They are the business owner that does exactly what a sheep would do. They get up, they eat grass, they shit the grass, they go home, and they go and do the next day. And I'm sorry that I swear a little bit, but it's because I'm really passionate about what I want to share, and I really want to hammer home some of the stuff that I share with you. They have no vision for where they want to go. They wait for it to happen, if ever. And this is their classic thing that they will do. You want a job done well, do it yourself. No one can eat sheep, uh, eat grass as much as me. <laughs> weird and oxen this is uh, this is the business owner that we will all know the successful business owner that we'll know in our family that when they got to 60 years old they were successful uh, and they retired and they got a pot of money uh, and I'd, I just feel um, a big sort of appreciation for these guys they'll do the massive working hours they'll spend a generation building a business they'll do 90 hours they'll work weekends they are ladies and gentlemen a classic, huge pound turner. And I want you to remember this phrase. They turn lots of pounds. Lots and lots of pounds can be turned. Lots and lots of pounds. This is the big one that the oxen does. Turns millions of pounds. Can turn millions and millions of pounds. They fear failure. And this will stop them from doing certain things. But they do have moments of glory that keep them going. That one big sow or that one contract that will reinvigorate them to keep the business going through all the nastiness that business can cause, the stress that it can have on you. Hello, sir. You look really nice. A nice little smile. Thank you. <laughs> They'll say things. We'll do that because that'll pay a bit of wages. Let's get that sow and that'll pay a bit of wages. And they have what I call control complex or God complex. Uh, I was talking uh, yesterday at another event. Uh, this is a classic thing that an ox will do. They are God of their business. And they'll be listening. I was just telling this story yesterday. And they'll be sitting down uh, and they'll be listening to a member of staff. I'm now the member of staff. Later. Actually, I'll do it on the stage because it might be a little bit easier to see because I realised it was just a little bit intimate for that front table there. <sighs> So we're sitting here, and I'm the salesperson in the business, and the phone rings, and the customer's on the phone. I go, yes, I, I would like a discount, please, uh, and I'd like to buy that thing. And business owner, business owner Ox is sitting there going, he's listening. Oh, well, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And this person's here. What's this here? Yes, and, uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I might be able to do the discount. I'm not really sure. A business owner's like, yeah, yeah do, do you want me to talk to that person? Do you want me to do that? You want me to do that? And, uh, do you want me to writing notes, putting it in front of them? Yes, what, one sec. Someone just wants to talk to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll do that. Business owner takes the phone. Yes, I can discount that for you. Yes, I'll do that. Just this good complex. Why could that person not have done that? The ox will take over and just stop people from actually being able to do what needs to be done in the business because they cannot systemize it and they cannot 
let go of control. It's a real, real big problem. Polar opposite is me. I cannot wait to sack myself out of my business, get other people to do everything. I delegate too soon. I just really want people to think about that. This massive God control complex they have over the business. Only they can do the sell. Only they can do the deal. Only they can fix the machine. Only they can cash up. Only they can open up or lock up or close down. Or only they can sign off what the website branding will look like. We all know some of these people, don't we? Yes, we do. I've been there, done it, and got the T-shirt. Now, uh, let's keep going. So that's the ox. Now, let's have a look at what an eagle is. This is our top-level entrepreneur. Let, let, let me be clear, ladies and gents. I don't put myself in the eagle status yet. I've put myself as a high-level ox. But these guys are soaring high looking for talent. So all they're doing, they're looking for talented people to run the business. That is their primary focus. Heck, they find a talented person and they will set up a business on the back of the talented person. They're looking for the right opportunities. These guys will take many more opportunities that come their way than the ones that they should do. Whereas an eagle will only take on the right opportunities. And the big difference is, ladies and gents, they are expert profit turners. Not pound turners. They're not bothered about managing cash, because let me tell you now, I'm managing 10 million pounds worth of cash a year. Well, I'd rather manage 2 million and make it a more profitable 2 million than managing 10 million pounds worth of cash. Every 100,000 pounds more money you need to manage is another bit of infrastructure, another bit of layer of bullshit that needs to go in. So they're expert profit turners, and clearly they are marketeers. Steve Jobs, marketeer number one. Bill Gates, marketeer. Richard Branson, marketeer. Elon Musk, marketeer. They are marketeers. They get marketing. They are fantastic, amazing, sexy marketeers. Marketeers. And they're brilliant at joint ventures. And they make deals happen. They understand there needs to be skin in the game for two people. Really good at joint ventures. Oxen, oh, he's not sure about doing a little joint venture. Does that mean someone's going to have a little bit of control and might have to tell them what to do? These guys, joint venture masters. Richard Branson, can anyone tell me any company that he owns 100% of? Nish. Virgin Trains, 48 North, 49% owned by Stagecoach. Yeah, they got all the infrastructure and all that. I'll just give you the brand. I'll just give you the brand. I'll be the beardy man with the brand. You've got all the infrastructure, you've got all the work, great joint venture partnership. Elon Musk just bought a, a big battery company. I'll put the Tesla brand on it. People will start buying more of your batteries. Very, very clever. And this can be done on a smaller scale as well. Okay, so the next thing, how I run a business, is what I call OST, ladies and gentlemen. OST. I'm going to just get everyone a shout out so they can remember it. What do we call it? OST. 
OST, that's right, team. Does anyone know what that might stand for? Well, it's up there, so that's a big, stupid thing of me to have said, isn't it? It's Objective Strategies and Tactics. And um, I'm a big believer that uh, most entrepreneurs, including myself, put my hands up here, I'm going to do a lot of... This is like help therapy for me, ladies and gents, because uh, I really come to you with my big problems. One of my big problems is uh, I can't manage anything. I hate managing businesses, uh, but I do like coming up with the objective, which is this one here. And management come up with this one here, the strategies and tactics. So just, you'll notice with a lot of things, I go out of business because I want people to understand. If I was prime minister, I come up with the objectives. I get all my ministers around me to come up with the strategies and tactics. If I'm a head teacher, I come up with the objective. I get all the teachers to do the strategies and tactics. If I'm a business owner, it's fine to do the same. It really works. I'm the objective setter. My team come up with the strategies and tactics. How can I run a chain of day nurseries, a theme park, the entrepreneurs network, a teddy bear company, <laughs> a business consultancy service all mixed into one? Can I come up with the objectives and I find the people to do the strategies and tactics? And those people are far better than me. I have got people that I employ that are far better than I am. A little shove of hands here, I'm going to ask the question, how many people in your organisation are better than you if you are a business owner? Show of hands. Who's your person better than you? These two. These two. Look at him, eh? He knows. He's a smart man. <laughs> so this is how an organisation of success runs. Now, you hear a lot of uh, people that work for business go, oh, it always changes around here. It always changes around here. People don't get upset with the strategies and tactics changing. They get upset when the objectives constantly change. So if the objective is to uh, beat the Nazis back in World War II, that's the objective. And then we go, actually, we're not going to fight the Nazis anymore. We're going to fight the Russians. Actually, forget it. We'll fight the Americans. That's when people really get the ump. Like if you're a head teacher and go, we're going to become a school of technological excellence. Then on Tuesday comes in, yeah, I've had to think about it over the weekend, and I'm not for technology anymore. We're going to become geography excellence. All the teachers are like, this is a man as a dickhead. So what you need to do is you need to keep the objective on point. This must never change, but the strategies and tactics can. The strategies and tactics change, but the objective stays on point. So if the objective, we're going to turn this into a national brand, whatever it might be, say with Costa Coffee and we've got two coffee shops, the objective is to turn Costa into a national brand. The strategies and tactics on how we meet that may need to change. That makes sense, everyone? OST is a really good way of managing your company. Now, we talked about this. Finding the right people for your organisation, finding talent, finding the very best calibre of people is a business owner's number one objective. Number one. And if you find them through networking at a situation like this, grab them, cuddle them, nurture them, love them, everything. Look after them. And I've got sort of a formula that helps businesses be successful. And this is it. Educate, congratulate, appreciate, repeat. How often should you be looking after your team in terms of training and development? Anyone got any ideas how much time we should spend on that? 
I'll shout it out. Someone, I don't know. How long? Who spends time developing their team every day? Show of hands. That's, that's a problem. That is a massive problem. What happens in most organisations in the SME basis, I put my hands up and, put, and say, look, yes, I admit that happens as well in our business, is we train people aggressively when they start. We shadow people aggressively when they start. That training should never, ever, ever, ever stop. I think 20 minutes training a day is the perfect place to be. Imagine if you spent 20 minutes training and educating Every person that works for you, every single day, spending just 20 minutes before you start work, okay, this is what we're going to teach you today, this is how we're going to educate you today to be the very best person you can be within our organisation. Let's just focus on this for 20 minutes. What would that have in terms of productivity to your organisation? Huge. And that is what it would have. And you must congratulate them. And congratulate them is not um, monetary. This is just saying, doing a really good job there. I really like what you're doing. Amplify the good stuff. Amplify the good stuff. It's really good. I just want to say thank you so much for that hard work that you've done for us. If you worked for us, that would be. Um, then we want to appreciate people. Now, I, I understand you're just in a small business, you're growing your business and you can't reward people monetary all the time. But there are other things that you can do to appreciate people, like flexible working hours. You say, look, don't, just, just have Friday afternoon off. What does that really cost to the business? So many people that have got small business mentality is like, I've got to count the hours. I've got to get every single bloody minute out of that person that I paid them for. Absolutely. You start at nine o'clock and you finish at five o'clock, mother. You dare leave at three minutes to five. You dare. You might have made me a million pounds, but you will still work till five o'clock. Why don't you just say, to I do this with all my head office team. Come in and out whenever you like. I'll measure you on output. So if you work and do amazing stuff for us, as long as the job gets done, the hours are yours to manage. Now, obviously, if I was running an airline company, I couldn't say that to a pilot because <laughs> there would be some ramifications for the business. I do uh, really try and say, I can't do that with my day nursery business. But with all my area managers where it's possible, I appreciate them and say, look, your hours are your hours. If you want to work at home that day, go for it. I've got that small business mentality. That can mean thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to someone. I was speaking to Fish, who works for us. His partner brings her dog into the work where she works. Um, and she took a massive pay cut for that because that actually meant a lot to her. Took a £10,000 pay cut because her boss was flexible on things like that. If you can get some amazing people like where I live, people that have earned like £100,000 in the city of London, being a marketing executive or something like that, and then they've had children because they wanted to have children, totally get it. They are perfect people to steal and say, look, you can work whenever you like. We'll work around your children. You can have the summer holidays off. Okay, brilliant. You're brilliant. And then you can employ them for £24,000 a year. And that happens all the time. Down south, very different, but I'm sure. Situations up here as well. So, that is other ways you can appreciate people. Giving them a bit of time back. You don't have to when you're growing a business. And I understand businesses burn cash when they're growing. So you can't just give people massive, great, gazonking pay rises all the time. But there are other ways you can do it. 
There are other ways. I've just given you an answer there. But keep it on repeat. Now, don't forget this, right? Entrepreneurs, on the whole, make useless managers. There is a difference, right? I'm going to just tell you this now. Businesses need micromanaging. You need to get a right-hand man or woman as soon as you can. As soon as you can. I have a formula for business success. And I'm going to tell you it now. This is like the billion dollar question. Forget the million dollar question. This is the billion dollar question. Would you like me to share the James Sinclair success formula? Ooh, Stoke, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Look at you, look over there, smiling away. What is it going to be? Okay, here we go. If is anyone good at maths in the room? Oh, shit. Okay, so, okay, E plus M equals S. There it is. Can everyone see that? E plus M equals sex. Oh, success. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, e plus M equals S. And this is, uh, I'm going to fill in the words. It's entrepreneurship plus management equals success. That's it. That is it. You get that right, you will soar. It's not easy, but that is the magic formula. I've done it on many, many, many businesses now, and I have studied many, many successful business owners, and we have many, many successful business owners in the Entrepreneurs Network that I speak to. And the ones that get that correct, they are there. So let's just quickly spend, I don't know, Four hours discussing this. Entrepreneurship, excellent entrepreneur plus a magnificent manager equals super success. So, let's understand that. Most entrepreneurs are not managers. Most managers are not entrepreneurs. This is the key. You need to get a right-hand man. If you are an entrepreneur that is outstanding at management outstanding let's discuss what the two people do the entrepreneur is the objective setter he thinks quarter to quarter he thinks opportunity he thinks this is what we will be I want to change the world this is what we will look like in 10 years time that is the entrepreneur the entrepreneur also must be highly regarded and highly rewarded for doing one thing. He rolls the dice. He takes the risk. He takes the risk. He goes into the darkness. He does what most people will not do. That's the entrepreneur. He takes the first step forward, the second step forward, the third step forward, the fourth step forward. He gets the business going. Then he gets bored and he sees another opportunity over there. Oh, this business is doing okay now. There's an opportunity over there. And he's on the fourth step. He's about to take the fifth step. Oh, bugger. I really like that opportunity over there. No, I must keep going. Takes the seventh step. Shit, I've just got to go. I've just got to go over here and run this business as well and run that business as well. That is what an entrepreneur does. But you need the entrepreneur. You need the me, or the risk taker, the person that's going to borrow the money, that's going to take the risk. You're going to need that guy. 
What he needs, though, is a magnificent manager. So if the entrepreneur is taking the first steps, he's taking the 10-year view, he's doing the Walt Disney thing, the Richard Branson thing, the objective, we're going to fly to space. Can Richard Branson build the spaceship? So, he needs a magnificent management team to come in place. So what's the manager do? He is second to second, hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month. Manager, oh, sorry, entrepreneur, month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year, decade to decade. And that is the big difference. The entrepreneur on the business, the manager in the business. The next time I hear someone say, <laughs> I'm not in the business, I'm on the business. I just want to punch them. Because <clears throat> it's two things. You need to be on the business, but you also need someone far greater than you in the business. You need both. 100%. On and in. That's the magic formula, ladies and gents. I feel like I need to have a little break now after getting so hot up about that. Okay, so here we go. Next thing, think big, but act small. So this is a big thing, right? Big businesses, they think big. Yeah, sure they do, but they act big as well. They act big. A little classic story of mine. Um, so, so in London, uh, has anyone ever been into an office block in London? Yeah, so uh, land securities or British land, uh, they're a landlord of some of our buildings and sometimes I have to go and have meetings with them. And I promise you now, this is what you will see. You will see one lady sitting at a reception desk, like this. Good morning, welcome, in you come. And she has a reception ten times the size of this room with four sofas, marble and everything around. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'll just turn this into a Tesco's or a Waitrose and get a bit more rent coming in and give this woman... She doesn't need more than this sort of size for her reception, does she? That is classic of a big business, thinking big and acting big, and it's stupid. Now, the small business owner, the generational business owner, like your granddad's business and stuff like that, uh, that you know in your family, he'll be acting small and he'll be thinking small, but he's built a nice, steady shop business, like a corner shop business. They think, they think small and they act small and they keep the business going throughout the years. The smart thing to do is think big, but keep the small business acting mentality. So we want to keep an eye on the costs. We want to come up with my three important KPIs, which I'm going to share with you at the end. Actually, I want to write that down because I don't want to forget because I know it's not on the... I know it's not on the slide. Hang on a sec. Um, yeah, and, uh, and the acting small is so important. You want to think big because the bigger you think, there's less people crowding the space. But if you act small, you will be far more profitable you don't need to take on the extra premises yet. A small business thinks sales before operations. A big business thinks operations before sales, puts overhead in before the business can actually afford it. Whereas a small business will never put in operations unless they really, really need to. So, oh, we've gone on. There we go. Rule seven, can the business actually scale? And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to take a little interlude, a little break. Excuse me, darling. Sorry, you can't take pictures. Only joking! <laughs> Just wanted to ease everyone in. Jokey, jokey! So, 
I love doing that. It's my favourite thing to do. Honestly, it's the only reason I speak. I think, sit down! Um, <laughs> cannabis, uh, I said, oh my God, we're really flying through. Can a business easily scout? So, look, ladies and gents, I just want to, before we go any further, I just want to share with you, these are my rules that I've learned over the years. You don't have to take them on board. You can take elements out of them, but they're the things that I think will help build a really successful business. And this is one of my big things that I've learned. I've had some failures. I had to set up a stretch limousine company. Lost hundreds of thousands of pounds. Setting up a stretch limo company. Why did it not make me much money? Because it's hard to scale. Really hard to scale. You need like 10 million quid to buy limousines. When you're 23, very difficult to achieve. So can the business easily scale? Do people want it? Are you swimming against the tide? This is the big thing with our stretch limo debacle. People only wanted to hire a stretch limousine for special occasions. So you'd see your customer once every five years. It's hard to scale the business. Can the business easily scale? Do people actually want it? And are you swimming against the tide? Think about that. Okay, sorry to interrupt the presentation there, but as I said, it's going to be a two-parter with this one, just to keep the episodes to under an hour. So if you enjoyed this, tune in next Monday. There'll be another episode with the completion of this presentation. And if you'd like to find out more about Global Entrepreneur Week, please do visit gwstaffs.co.uk. But for now, I've been Steve Cranston, your host, and you can tweet me at Lilac Films, and I look forward to speaking to you next Monday. Thanks for listening.